This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. November. The one month where we all gather around the table with family to gorge ourselves on wonderful food until our stomachs explode. We think of things we are thankful for while remembering the kindness that the Native Americans showed our pilgrim fathers. With round bellies, we sleep on the couch or watch some football, even though the shittiest team always wins. This is what November is all about, right? WRONG! NOVEMBER IS MECH MONTH! That means more metal grinding punches and giant drill badassery than a single man can handle! So get suited up and prepare for large human-shaped robot action for November is Mech Month on the Animation Podcast. Welcome to the Animation Podcast. This is Mech Month, Episode 1. I'm your host here, Josh Dunham. And wow, man, really botched the uh, last episode of Horror Month there. But I wasn't really feeling it, you know? I was like, yeah, I don't think people really care too much about scary anime. So what do people care about? Giant robots. So, to get things kicked off the right way, I have a review lined up for you with Eeper from the Eeper's Choice Podcast. And we talk about Kurogane no Line Barrel, both the anime and the manga, and end up taking a little bit of a side trip into Gonzo, but that's all cool. Although I did miss an episode last week, I'm hoping this will make up because it's going to be a little bit longer than my regular episodes. And I'll get to the news and all that stuff on my regular due date of Friday. So, with that in mind, enjoy this episode, make sure you go check out Eper at Eper's Choice Podcast, and with that in mind, let's... Play the show. Welcome to the Animation Podcast, Eper. How you doing there, folks? And, um, yeah, we have Eper on for the very special edition of Mech Month, which, as of this recording, hasn't even started yet, but, you know, got to plan ahead. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're doing this sort of thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, play, it pays to actually plan in advance. I remember when I used to do... Like for those of you who don't know, I actually do have a podcast that hasn't updated in six months. So I have these long periods of time where I don't do anything. Where I'll do a show and then it'll be six months and I'll do another show. I get excellent feedback whenever I do a show, but the thing is, is that I have to plan out most of my shows these days because when I was on the fly and I used to do these shows, literally I would decide that night to record a podcast. They were always disasters. They were terrible to edit because I would spend five minutes of dead air going. So, 
Um, and you'd hear keyboards clicking as I was checking ANN to talk about something <laughs> on the show. Yeah. Plan ahead, folks. Plan ahead. Usually when I do that, it's like in the reading and watching segment, I'm thinking, what have I read? What have I been watching? And like, just, I hit the pause button. I look around the room. Wait, did I buy that box set recently? Did I talk about that already? And then I click the mm. play button again. And then I bought this box set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's great being on Audacity. We were just talking about it before the recording. The, 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 the pause function on Audacity and recording is great. You can just hit the pause button. You can find some note on ANN or find that box set you were talking about just now, and you can just go, okay, familiarize yourself, all right, and you can just jump right back in, and it sounds so awesome and so natural, and despite the fact that people don't know, you spend 45 minutes trying to dig up some box set in the back of your room. <laughs> all the pains of podcasting. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the joy far outweighs it. I mean, you probably have about, I don't know, 50, 100 listeners. I've got about 50 listeners. I mean... Loads of people would say, you know, why can't you, you know, don't you feel bad that you only have 50 listeners? No, that's like 49 more than I had when I started, you know? That's exactly, I was just talking about that the other day, I was like, you know what, some people will never even get like 100 people to listen to them in their show, or, or just mm. in a lifetime. How many people actually have that following? Now, I'm not saying like all my dudes who listen to the show are like mindless zombies who would just listen to whatever I produce, because that's not the case. I believe my, I have an intelligent uh, listener base because I'm an intelligent person. That's what I like to believe. Whether or not it's true or what fact may be wrong, well, that's for a different podcast at a different time. But more or less, it's like, you know what? Some people never get that. So I'm grateful for what I have and just the fact I'm being heard. It, yeah, in the, the joy of podcasting. Ah, <sighs> oh, glory, glory. Well, I, 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 for those of you who don't know, I. I do short films on the side, and whenever I'm doing a project where I have to hire actors and I can't pay them, they say, you know, what's in it for me? And I say, I've got a, I'll give you a screener copy of the short film at the end, and you have the uncertainty of glory at, uh, as payment. And that usually gets me by, you know, with actors. They love the idea of the uncertainty of glory. So in that, you know, us podcasters, we do it for the uncertainty of glory. Not that we want glory, but when it does happen for us, it's, you know, it's welcome bonus <laughs> I mean um, I recently got credited on Friday Ace with Mike Dent when he credited me for the, the Battle Royale Blu-ray details and there I am at 3 o'clock in the morning with my headphones on and my ear, uh, my MP3 in my pocket doing this merry little jig around the kitchen going woo this is awesome I got credited so you know for us it's simple pleasures well it's always fun to hear your name on a, another person's podcast it's like what people know me what cool yeah <laughs> But um, where can they find your show? You mentioned your show. Where can they find it? Okay, you can find me at eperschoice.com. That's three E's, P-E-R-S-C-H-O-I-C-E. Um, I do audio podcasts with my co-host Oni, and I also try and do written reviews on my own site. But if you're looking for written reviews from me, you can also find me at otakunews.com. And at the moment, I'm in the middle of finishing up my New York Anime Fest coverage um, after doing a couple of reviews and uh, some pieces on panels and stuff. So you can find me at otakonews.com whenever I do actually get around to reviewing stuff. At the moment, I'm currently... I have the, the, the commiseration of my uh, my editor at the moment because um, we got screener copies a month ago and we were sent... Uh, everyone else got, got screener copies of Volume 1 and 2 of something and I got Volumes 5, 6 and 7 of Bleach 
on DVD. And I've never watched Bleach in my whole life, so I'm kind of sitting there watching the first disc going, do I like this or do I hate this? How do I start this? And I've had these discs now for six months. My editor says, look, you know, <laughs> whenever you get stuck into it is whenever you get stuck into it. I do completely agree with you that it's unfair. But, you know, I'll try and, for those of you who are looking forward to my Bleach review, I will try and do a very decent review based on what I have in my hands. Well, another thing you could always do is just, like, just uh, the, the, read the manga up to that point. I'm not sure exactly where in the story the uh, the discs, the volumes you have are, because they could be complete filler. I have no idea. I don't follow the anime. I don't. I don't know either. I don't know either. I mean, my my great hidden shame is that you know I love Fist of the North Star, but I just can't stand most other shonen fighting shows. I've never watched an episode of Bleach, as I said. Never watched an episode of Naruto. Never watched an episode of One Piece, Dragon Ball. They just don't appeal to me, you know. I, I, I understand that the, the shows have their pros and cons and they have their fans, but they just don't appeal to me. Maybe it's just something about the show that I just can't get into. I mean, if you're going to have a show, have the show, have their characters hit each other until they blow up in geysers of blood, or don't do it at all. There's, there's no point in fake fighting. I don't like fake fighting. Because we all know that uh, stabbing each other with swords is... Well, in their defense, Bleach was good for the first five volumes of the manga. Even the first six, maybe even the first seven. I will defend it. Yeah. I will defend it. And crud, it was even good up until, like, they started doing some of the other crazy stuff. But, like, nowadays, no. And that's and that's really a problem. Like, Naruto, that first half wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't Fist of the North Star, you know, level of awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you gotta remember, Fist of the North Star... That was a long time ago. Things change. Now ninjas and orange jumpsuits are cool. Silence at my end, folks, says it all, really. So, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about shonen ninjas and men with seven stars on their chest. We're not? Unfortunately. No, that would be another podcast, my good sir. Okay. So, what are we talking about today, Josh? We're talking about line barrels of iron. Or Kuragane no line barrel, for those of you who are real technical. Mm. Now, this is a weird little show that I found on Crunchyroll. Um, I had avoided Crunchyroll for the longest time, and I finally, you know, once I discovered that they were completely legit, I decided to dive straight in here and let's just, like, pay for a subscription. So the first show I ever watched was Lion Barrows of Iron. So I've gotten about, you know, 10, 12 episodes in, and I have to say, I'm not exactly groovy for it. I have to say, I mean, as a mecha show, I love it. I mean, it's got, like, mecha action, stuff blowing up. I'm so happy about it. But the thing is, and maybe this is... I hear this repeated, and I didn't want to let it bias me, but yeah, it turns out to be true. The lead character is a bit of a... He's a bit of a dick. He, he really genuinely is. Uh, um, that's what I liked about the manga, though, is, like... I remember in the in the anime, like I, f- I saw the first episode or two or something like that, um, and I if I, you know correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the major things that turned me off to the show was that the main character first starts off as really a puss. Yeah, he's a complete and utter wimp uh, in the first episode, and for those of you, uh, well, we will get into the, the, the brief summary of the the, the, the idea, but the, the first episode, yeah, he's a bit of a wimp, he's a bit of a uh, you know, he, he's the atypical Japanese student, um, and he goes through his daily routine, and then something happens to him, and he's imbued with certain powers, and he just becomes the world's worst 
person ever. And the thing is, I would buy it if he was the villain. I mean, I could understand if he was the villain, but he's the hero, and I'm supposed to root for him, and he's an instant turn-off for me. Uh, see, that was that was the opposite for me, because I read the manga. I didn't, I couldn't stand the anime, but for the manga, that was the appeal. It's like the Yu Yu Hakusho effect. You know, this guy dies, he gets special abilities, because the... Basically what happens is this mech falls out of the sky and squashes him. And then embeds him with nanomachines so he can heal super fast, run super fast. He's not like um, Spider-Man by any means, but he's a little bit stronger than your average main character. A little bit... He's basically a shonen fighting character, more or less. He becomes he becomes Naruto without the, the chakra and ninja skills. Yeah, and there's a double-edged sword for him insofar as... Uh... The, the, the machine resurrects him. Um, uh, sorry, um, just getting off the track there. Uh, the machine resurrects him, and it it, it 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 resurrects him after it literally, like you said, squashes him flat. The, the 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 problem is is that the robot is now tied to him. If the robot would be were to be destroyed, he died too as a result. So you'd think that that would instill some sort of uh, standoffishness or pragmatism. In the character, but no, it actually has the exact opposite effect. The minute he finds out he's in charge of this incredibly large robot, he just goes crazy. He thinks he's like the champion of justice. Um, he's like, um, he's like Amro Ray and uh, like the 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 hyper combat team, Dangayo team rolled into one. He thinks he's like the world savior, and he's going to save the whole world from from the bad guys. And he's just such a dick about it. He's like, I'm in charge, and I'm in charge of this incredibly large robot, and screw all of you, and I'm going to save the world. And in doing so, in the I think the second or third episode, he demolishes half the city um, fighting the robots. And then two people from the, 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 the organization that runs the, uh, the actual robot itself turn up to, I don't know, I don't want to say help him, but they want to go in to make sure that he isn't going to like kill anyone. And he ends up fighting them as well because he thinks they're all enemies of justice and it's just one of those weird things where if you can let it go and I really am sorry folks but I couldn't let it go if you can let it go I'm sure it becomes an excellent series but I could not let it go I mean the mecha action in the show the the, the 12 or 13 episodes I have seen it is fantastic it's just I hate him he's just an awful character and he he's so ungrateful to everyone around him I mean I don't want like Shinji Ikari levels of Oh poor me! I have to pilot a giant robot, and my dad hates me. We're not talking like that. Like I could understand if he was slightly humble, but he's not even the least bit humble about it. Well, would you have to be if you had a mech that could kill everything? I mean, well then contrast him to Sim. Uh, I can never pronounce Simon. Uh, Simon. Yeah. Simon from from Gurren Lagann. I mean, here's a guy who rises to the challenge of being a, a, a mecha pilot. But the thing is, it takes him a long time. He has to go through like real hardship and a lot of his you know his compatriots and, and uh, fellow soldiers in, on his side die as a result so he is hardened and transformed by these events and he becomes a better pilot as a result but but like yeah uh, Hayase is just he's he just becomes the, the pilot and then he's like I'm super awesome I'm super great and uh, that's it. And the thing is, if he was super awesome and super great, like what we are talking, like end of Evangelion kind of, 
you know, the Diva and Galen Reboots movies where, you know, Shinji in part two gets to being a better pilot a lot faster than he does in the TV series. That's kind of gradual, and that happens over two hours, but literally, Hayase becomes this awesome pilot, but the attitude doesn't go with him. Well, see, I, that was my original appeal to the manga, was that um, in the beginning, you, you just this guy's a dick. The gang that used to pick on him when he was in grade school, he now is the head of that gang. And it's like, yes, I want a Boncho. That's awesome. But, I mean, not Boncho as in, like, the Majinger Z Boncho. He's, he's actually semi-intelligent, actually can kick ass if he needs to, without a mech. But the thing is, like, if I remember correctly, him he has, like, main character syndrome or something where his mech is slightly stronger than everyone else's or has the potential to be slightly stronger than everyone else's. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's one of those... Th- one of those those great tropes of, of animation. I mean, I, w- I to be par- fair to the the show, I would have been disappointed if they hadn't have done this. Is that his his mecha line barrel? Lamp, it's the most powerful one of all. But it it's not powerful like in the first couple of episodes. It like at all traditional mecha shows, it takes a while for it to become super like super saiyan levels of, of awesome. And Hayase has to grow into being this pilot of this awesome machine. But yeah, like you were saying. It is the most powerful machine, but they just don't know it yet. Well, see, the thing, like you say, Super Saiyan now, if I had to create an anime formula to describe the manga, or this idea, it'd be Amuro becomes Vegeta, Vegeta pilots a mech. That would probably be yeah. my... That's that, that's it in a succinct statement, literally. I mean, I, I can't give it a better statement than that. Is that, yeah, it's like somebody took... Um, Gundam and Dragon Ball and threw them in a blender and decided to see what would come out and we got line barrels of art. It's pretty good. I like it. Like The thing is though, these robots are sentient, as if, if we haven't mentioned that before. So the whole thing of like you said, him becoming a really, really great pilot, that I attributed more to, well, this is sentient, so thus he's just learning. It's kind of like, not to be like all flowers and giddy giddy but he's becoming friends with this robot he's kind of like uh we mentioned bleach earlier where they have to recognize their zanpakuto their sword that it's actually sentient and with the better relationship that's how i kind of figured the mech was with hayase is he is not as strong because he hasn't really met his mech whereas everyone else has had plenty of time to pretty much personalize and understand their mech whereas he's just learning about it but because it's so incredibly powerful and in a pinch he can like blow anything up and that was like one of my favorite parts in the manga where there's uh they're fighting and he finally figures out like how to use the super badass laser of awesomeness that's not what it's called but he basically blows up japan's equivalent of the golden gate bridge yeah that's one of those show-stopping moments where you're going wow he just like he didn't blow up a building he didn't blow up um a uh, another mech he blew up like a bridge like a freaking bridge I mean it's kind of like that moment in, in Patlabor 2 where um, you have that, that, that almost strike on the bridge except in this case it actually does happen and he does demolish the bridge and you're kind of like whoa this is a seriously powerful mech and I really hope the person in the pilot suit is a response oh wait yeah yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Let, 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 let hang on. Just we'll, 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 I, I really don't want 
your listeners to feel that I'm really hating on this show. I, I, I do... I hate the lead. I really hate the lead. But the thing is, the rest of the show, for the most part, is decent enough. I mean, the, the, the mecha designs are, are pretty damn good. Um, the... The animation is, uh, it's so-so. It really is so-so. Well, it's a, it's a um, Gonzo show. Yeah, and, I, I, like, Gonzo are great at one thing. They're fantastic at one thing. They love doing CG mecha. They absolutely adore it. They're one of the, the nicest people for CG mecha. The thing is, much like a lot of other Japanese studios, they have no idea how to integrate that with traditional animation. I've, I've yet to, to find a proper series where mecha and like cg mecha and traditional cell animation as we know it today uh, is integrated properly i think marduk marduk scramble i just watched at the nyf and they have a lot of cg cars and stuff like that and there's a lovely seamless blend between that but it seems so every time japan tries to take on a mecha show and does cg in it the the, the results always end up in one of two sliding scales it's either completely terrible and disappointing or mediocre at best. I remember years ago watching the original Super Robot Wars uh, series. You remember the one that Bandai Visual released like one or two episodes at a time for like $40 each and I was like mm, I'm not touching that. Um, the CG in that was terrible. Just god awful. And they even have CG in space which means that a lot of the, the problems that go inherent with CG animation with Mecha are removed and they still don't manage to get it right either. Having said that, the show itself, the, the, the Super Robo War show, is pretty much held together by strings, so maybe me beating on the CG is not a bad, it's not a good thing after all. But yeah, Lime Barrel's decent enough animation, but when you look at the mecha, as long as the mecha doesn't move, it looks awesome, but the minute it starts moving, you're like, oh, please don't move, so do that thing where they, they, they like, bamf sideways, you know, where they, they slide the, the, the mecha from left to right without actually physically turning the mecha on its axis and they do it and they, they have that horrible blur motion that no CG effect can get rid of and I'm sitting there going god no please just kill me now you know see like well you want to go to Gonzo CG I'm watching two shows right now uh Dragonaut and it's the exact same thing you're describing right now it's like technically it's a mecha show because these people become dragons but the, they're mechanical dragons which people can still pilot in, which isn't gay at all, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah. It, it's so horribly CG, they're flying in space. And like you said, it, you know, space, you can pretty much just make the background CG and it'll look just as, you know, prevalent as uh, animation, you know? But the thing is, it still looks horrible. It looks like they just put, they just got the renders of these mechs and then just put them in front of a green screen and sit, and then Google image search space and then poof, put that behind there. It's like, really? But a good show... Is that the best is that, the best that you can come up with, kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying. And, and then Vandred. Vandred is actually kind of on the opposite end of the scale because if the mecha are in an animation scene, basically if characters are looking at them or painting them or getting inside of them or something, basically if the mecha is still for most of the time, then it's drawn, hand-drawn, or cel-shaded, or, or what have you. Whereas, as soon as it goes into battle, it's CG. And although that is a very, very hard scene, you can instantly tell, like, okay, it's a battle scene, so everything's CG. It actually blends a lot better than you think it would, because, one, it's in space. And like you said, if you do it right, you can kind of remove all that. It's like, okay, there's no other animation around us, because it's a stagnant background. So, you know, you can you kind of get away with it. And it works. 
I mean, it's a Gonzo show, it's actually pretty funny. But the thing is, with most mecha shows, like with Godanner, it's not really a mecha show, it's one of those harem romance shows, you know? So Yeah, it's just disguised as a mecha show. Exactly, it's another mecha, pseudo-mecha show. But Yeah, I'm... Um... But uh, like I think this is an inherent problem with all Gonzo shows. I know that that a lot of people talk about this a lot about Gonzo, and yes, it is kind of getting tiresome talking about it. But it is a point that needs to be brought up: is that Gonzo seems to be of three minds. They're good at getting good, decent ideas together. Like they really are good at the ideas. It's just the execution that's just awful. Like. If it manages to, to survive longer, longer than 13 episodes, it kind of hits that wall where around 14, 15, and I haven't reached it yet, so I'm really afraid to watch the rest of the show because around 14, 15, it just runs out of steam completely. I know that some people have said there are other Gonzo shows that run out at 6 or 7. I've never watched them, and I don't want to watch such scary concepts as a show that runs out of steam at 6 with 26 episodes in total. I don't think I could sit there for 20 episodes. I mean, that's another reason why I won't watch things like Naruto, because I just can't... I couldn't conceptualize having to sit through 80-plus episodes or so of filler arc. I couldn't do that to myself. I'd be like, I have a set lifespan on Earth. I want to go on with other things. You know, I want to travel and meet interesting people. I don't want to be here for 80 episodes in filler arc. And with Gonzo shows, it's like, get ready for 15 episodes of filler, because it's not that we don't have anything that we can fall back on, like the manga. We do in certain cases. Now, Josh will probably know better than I, Gonzo have this thing where they, they license the, the, an anime f- based on a manga, and the manga is not finished, so it's like, come up with the best that you can come up with so you get things. <laughs> or, yeah, you, or better yet, they'll, they'll license something that's completed, like uh, Dragonaut is like two volumes long. How do you get 26? I mean, I suppose if you really, really dissect it, you get... 13 episodes out of two volumes, if, like, they're huge volumes, like, I'm sure you could do the same, you could do it with the Tezuka manga or something, but, yeah, like, really? Dragon, like, I can't even fathom grabbing two novels of, like, Black Lagoon and trying to get 13 episodes out of that. It just wouldn't happen. Just, (sighs) action, you know, there there are limitations to ink and then motion. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to find out that the I'm currently got. Well, you've been talking there. I'm currently looking at the the, um, the release schedule for the the actual manga. It's uh, Kuragane no Lime Barrels for anyone who's interested. And um, according to this, the, it, its release schedule was 2005 through 2007, right? So that means that the anime had to have started somewhere around 2007, 2008. It, like, yeah, according to this, it says um, 2008 is the start date for the releases, um, which means that Gonzo had a completed manga. Or at least as much of a manga as you can possibly get. I mean, like seven volumes, eight volumes of stuff. And you're sitting there going, okay, you have the entire manga at your ha- in your hands. You can see its lim- limitations. You can see its pros and its cons. You have to have the ability to remove all the cons and bolster it up with something better. But from what I can tell online, talking with people who've read the manga more than I have, this doesn't seem to be the case a lot of the, the manga is translated into the anime, including all of the weaknesses that went with it as well. So, you know, you've watched, or you've read the manga, Josh. Like, does it feel like, talking to with people, aside from me, does it feel like 
the manga is no better than the anime, the anime is no better than the manga kind of thing? Well, for me, um, outside of Gonagai, there's really not a whole lot of mech manga that is not already based off an existing franchise. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, sure you have... I guess you could kind of... It is based off the Gundam franchise, but I mean, there is some Gundam manga that is kind of standalone, has its own little story sort of thing, but I don't really count that. I mean, like, really, like, outside of Gonagai, there's not a whole lot to pick from, let alone good stuff to pick from. So, reading Line Barrels, it was amazing because how many... Like, the art is very, very well done, and to have robots drawn like that, it looks great. But, like, when I can go to anime and I can get you know, 50 mech shows dime a dozen sort of thing. Why, it doesn't stand out to me. So I guess the answer is yes. But whereas uh, the anime is a dime a dozen, the mech manga is kind of like a unique piece of art, you know what I'm saying? So I guess I'm kind of yeah. overlooking whatever problems it has because I'm sh it's not a perfect manga by any means. It definitely has problems. Like you have that convoluted love of, Oh, it, it's almost like a, a new type love, and, and, and let me explain, there's one part where the main love interest actually has some, I don't know, psychic connection to Line Barrel, like she is actually another pilot of the Line Barrel, which is impossible because Line Barrel can, uh, most of these mechs, or all of them I dare say, can only form a bond with one person, period. So to have two people piloting this mech, it's like, what? Well, how is this happening? And I haven't read much past the manga at that, because it's a monthly release schedule, doesn't get scanlated regularly, blah blah blah. Well, the thing is, that becomes like, oh, well, you pilot the same mecha, I pilot the same mecha, we must be in love. It's like, Tomino said you're in love now! And that's, you know, that's... Oh, God. You know, and, it, and, it, and yes, it's not exactly awesome by any means. It's just like, uh You just kind of have to bite the bullet because... It's the only mech manga that's decent that's come out in like the last bajillion years. So yeah, I mean, I th I I, I kind of tuned out of mecha manga like a long time ago. Um, I think Jinky Extend was like the the last thing I actually paid any kind of attention. Now I didn't read it, but it was the last one that I can remember. Somebody said, "Oh, this is a mecha manga." So when Lime Barrels came along, I was like, "Oh, grand! I watched this," and then I was like, "Wait, this is based on a manga? Really? Seriously?" And it's, like you said, it's not scanlated that often. Um, not, one, not many people pay that much attention to it because it has only like eight volumes thus far. I mean, I've not, I've not read the manga, so I don't know how it ends. And I'm crippled by the fact that I've only watched 13 episodes, so I don't know how the anime ends and how you can pair up with the, the, the manga versus the anime. But yeah, it's... The thing with Mecha, for, for anyone who's, who's unfamiliar with it, okay? Japan has so much of it, they're just bored with it now. Like, it has its fans, it has its detractors. You go to the, the average um, Tokyo anime fair and you'll find, like, enough mecha toys to, to, to keep you going till rapture, basically. But the thing is, over here, the, the, the market for mecha shows are, is gone. It's just dead. I mean, it was there in the 1980s. Transor Z was brought over to North America. That was just, it just either it got the butcher treatment or it wasn't brought over in time or no one cared to, to really, I mean, and that's why, like, I would compare the mecha genre in Japan to how Star Wars is here in America. 
because the people who like Star Wars are going to still read all the novels no matter how crappy because there's nothing new that's coming out. It's a stagnant, very, very stagnant genre. Like, even, even watch the Clone Wars cartoon that's coming on here on Cartoon Network. There's nothing new. They just kind of dumbed it down for kids. Now, the hardcore fans will watch it no matter what, but it's still the same thing. Now, every once in a while, you get, like, a little bit of a breakthrough. And I say breakthrough very lightly. But, well, or, or like, you get a novel that's, like, in integrates a new idea, but never really fully develops it. And that's kind of how most of the mecha shows have been for the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, I mean, the, the, using your example of Star Wars, I'll, I'll, I'll flip back into mecha in a second, but using your example of, of, of Star Wars, Star Wars succeeds when it doesn't follow George Lucas's original storyline. In other words, from Anakin all the way down to Lucas. Whenever they step out of that universe, when you have something like Knights of the Old Republic, the story becomes interesting because we do not know how these people's lives are going to turn out. We know how Luke's life is going to turn out. We know how Anakin's life is going to turn out. And it's kind of like, why am I reading this? I know how it's all going to turn out. And it's the same with Gundam. I mean, we all know how Gundam shows are, are supposed to go. The formula was set out in the 70s with Tomino's original version. And for the most part, there are exceptions, but for the most part, we know how a Gundam show is going to turn out. It's just getting there that's the interesting parts. And for Mecha, when an amazing Mecha show comes along, like Gurren Lagan, and it will rewrite every rule you've got on the Mecha genre, it's noteworthy. But the thing is, that happens like once every, say, five years in Japan and once every ten years in America. So you have Gurren Lagan, and then you look back in American fandom for another show that transformed how people viewed Mecha, you go to Evangelion go further back and you have something like, I don't know, Votoms, even though Votoms is not strictly a mecha show, it's a powered armor show, I know, and then go further back than that and you have, like you said, Transor Z, Mazinger, um, you have Gundam and stuff like that, but it doesn't happen enough for us to engage with it as a genre, and I think that's the problem with, with, with me, for me, for my for my tastes, it's the problem with Lion Barrel of, of oh sorry, apologies, Lion Barrels of Iron, is that I'm carrying so much baggage about the mecha genre that I'm coming into it with a, a very bad preconception. And the fact that there's an unlikable lead character is only making me feel worse and worse about it. I'm sure, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely certain your listeners will be able to, to put in comments on the show notes for this one and explain to me what it is about Lion Barrels of Iron, the anime, that's good. I'm just so het up about, you know... I need my mecha to do this, and I need to do that, and I'm not willing to come out of it. Even though I will say that, like, Gurren Lagan totally transformed the mecha genre for me. I loved every minute of it. There are weaknesses in Lagan, of course, but the pros outweigh the cons. The problem is, is that, like I said, it doesn't happen enough in the English-speaking territories for, for me to, to give Lion Barrel of Iron a chance. I really want to give it a chance. I mean, the support cast is good. Uh, like you said, the, the 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 love interest is kind of the this weird love interest, and it's kind of so weird it's outside of the box. And the the the, the characters who fight alongside and alongside is an is an inverted comma statement around Koichi Hayase. Um, they're interesting, and the bad guys themselves they're interesting. The universe itself, the world building that goes on is pretty good. It's just I'm so hung up about Mecha in in general that I'm. I'm I'm doing the show a disservice by by coming to it with preconceptions. I would suggest to anyone 
who's watching the, the, the anime is leave whatever you got at the door because I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to give the, the show a fairer shake than I did. Alright, and as, as for me, I would say if you're going to go into the manga, you have to kind of just accept that it's a rare gem. You can't try and compare it to all these older shows because if you do, it's not going to be half as good. Like, when my mindset, when I found it, was like, I'm looking for something that's manga, manga, manga. I'm sick of watching mech anime, I want some manga. And, of course, uh, when I was reading it, they hadn't scanlated, uh, fully scanlated anyway, Majinger, Getarobo, and the like. So, you know, it was kind of like, yes, finally. So, really just, like, don't focus so much on, well, how would this be represented in anime, or don't focus so much on, well, what anime is this ripping it from? Just say, okay, here is a manga, we don't get this often, just kind of try and enjoy it. Doesn't matter if the cake is your mother's stolen recipe, still try and enjoy it. And I would second that opinion too about the, the anime. Um, from what I could see of it, like if you if you leave your, like I said, you leave your preconception to the door, you'll have a better experience of it. Um, I think for a lot of people who gave it negative reviews, including me, and I have to say my negative review comes with the caveat of... I really am not giving the show a fair enough shake, I feel, um, because of my preconceptions. But a lot of people who give negative views, they have watched manga sh or uh, NECA shows themselves, so they have their own preconceptions. I'm not saying that their reviews are bad or that they are flawed. I'm just saying that you should step away and give the show a fair uh, chance and say, okay, I'm going to take it as a blank slate. And if it turns out bad, then it turns out bad and I've learned something from it. But, you know, give the show a completely fair blank slate. That's about it. Um, just so everyone's aware, um, as Josh said, Line Barrels of Iron in the manga is not translated. It's only available on Scanlation at the moment. Funimation have licensed Line Barrels of Iron, um, I think, in two DVD box sets of 13 episodes each. Uh, Crunchyroll has the uh, episodes up for free if, you, if you're not a, a member. All 26 episodes and... You know, obviously... They're dubbed, um, aren't they? I don't think so. When I last checked, I think they're only using the subbed version. I'll just double-check now while I'm there. I know that uh, Funimation created a, a dub for it themselves um, on their DVDs, but I'm willing to bet decent money that, um, that it's sub-only. Because I know they put things like Code Geass up on their dubbed. They've been putting, actually, quite a few shows on their dubbed. I know they put Gundam 00 on their dubbed. Yeah. So, nope, it is uh, sub only. Ah, uh, well, that's probably for the better then. I didn't like the dub. Yeah, but I, 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 I'm, I'm one of these these old school fans that likes my dubs from the the old, in the before time, you know, and um, before the the prevalence of ADV and Funimation. But yeah, I mean, dubs are dubs. I mean, I was just just literally before we started recording, I was talking with the rep from Manga UK, and I said it to him then I do understand the need for dubs because if you've got a dub it's easier to go to a network or a TV broadcaster and give the show to them uh, but yeah like you said most dubs are kind of so-so unless they put a real effort into it the, most dubs are so-so so maybe it's better that you guys watch it on Crunchyroll um, the higher bit rates obviously are for subscribers only but if you just want to just chew through the show you get it done 13 episodes you'll have one half of the show and then you'll be on the hinge moment of, of most Gonzo shows and going, should I go any further and go through the 13 episodes? That's what I'm going to do, folks. Now, like, not, like, right, like, right now, I'm not going to hang up on Josh and go, okay, I'm going to watch Lion Barrels of Iron. But, um, 
I will at some point get through the other 13 episodes or so and I'll give it my my complete review at a later date on my own show and, and I'll send Josh a link so that he can link back to it and people will be able to find out whether or not I really did hate it as much as I thought I did. Sounds excellent to me. But before that, we gotta, we gotta, like, what are we reading and watching? Okay, so you want me to go first? Most certainly. Okay, at the moment, I am currently reading uh, Pluto uh, by Naroki Urasawa. Um, from, that's from Viz at the moment. Um, what else am I reading? I'm reading a lot of Vertical stuff at the moment, Cheese Sweet Home. Um, a lot of stuff that Ed Chavez from Vertical gave me recently um, at the New York Anime Fest. Uh, I'm reading a lot of that stuff at the moment. Uh, watching at the moment, okay, at the moment I'm getting my way through Eden of the East, uh, Sengoku Basara, I've just bought, I think, recently I got Genshiken and uh, Kashimashi Girls Me- Girl Meets Girl, and on the the uh, fan sub side, I'm currently watching Kure Geh- I, I'm gonna mangle this, it's Kure Gehime, it's from the Notame, um, block on you know the one that that Funimation it's from the same uh, programming block as Tatami Galaxy and House of the Five Leaves. yeah and then Tatami Blocker or what have you there the um, the late night Japanese TV block for anime yeah that's the one they've only subbed one episode so far at the moment but I mean I, I did like it it looked decent so at the moment I'm doing that I'm doing Bakuman and I'm also trying to catch up on uh, Squid Girl on uh, Crunchyroll at the moment. So that is what I'm watching and reading at the moment. So you haven't checked out Panty and Stocking yet? I watched the first episode and I, I was on Twitter with, I think, it wasn't you who responded, I think it was somebody else, but I was on Twitter and I was saying I would just watch the first episode and I, I'm with the show. I, I understand what the, the creator is going for. He's watched Cartoon Network shows for 10 plus years and watched him, them use all the tropes of anime in their shows and going, okay, now I'm going to do my version of a Cartoon Network show. The problem is, is that the show has this point, and most people who watch the first episode know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a point in the show where the whole show literally swings on a hinge and becomes an entirely different show that you thought of five minutes ago. Now, I, I won't tell you what it is, but I'll give you a hint. It's when there's a total change in animation style. Uh, about halfway through, I think, the second episode. And literally after that, I could not feel the same way about the show after that. It was literally a, I'm done liking this show. I will now watch this show to see how far Gynax are willing to dig their way to China rather than pay, pay the airfare. <laughs> no, see, for me, I, I was like, I watched the first episode, and yeah, it, it really looks like those cartoon cartoons that came out, like, ten years ago. And I love that because... It's, it's for people like me. I grew up on those shows. So to watch them now in anime, it's, it's like, I, I, have, I have troubles. With, like, am I really watching anime? Does this really count? Can I podcast about this? And then, yes, that um, 
scene where the animation changes. It's like Gynex got their bank statement in the mail and said, oh crap, we have some extra money. Let's toss that in there. Yeah, and, and it's, it's uh, I have to say, the actual scene itself, if you took it out of the context of Pantheon stalking, it would be an excellent scene insofar as it's an homage to their um, uh, re-cutie honey days and their Gynax bounce and their uh, fan titillation and f- fan service. But the problem is it's in the wrong show. It's in, supposed to be in another show that's either better or worse than this, but it's in this show and I'm left sitting there going, please don't tell me if I watch episode two this is going to happen again because if it happens again, I think I will find the, 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 the current... Uh, content manager at Gynax and kill him. Unfortunately, or, or. it's only happened once. I've been waiting, like, is this going to be a reoccurring thing? Like, I don't care if they reuse the same animation. Like, just, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of those mindless drones, but I look at Panty and Stocking and say, okay, this show, if you really judge it from an artistic and, um, if you really judge it from a relative view, like, is this a good show or not? No, it's a horrible show. But it is still funny as hell. For, like it's potty humor you know you're watching you're watching shows from your childhood and then you're t- hearing jokes from your you know well some of them from your childhood i mean some of these jokes are definitely not things you would say to a 12 year old but the flip side is it's still like you're almost waiting like okay how much more offensive can guy next try and be it's like a 12 12 year old sitting down and shouting as much profanity as he can and it's almost funny it's it like Shin Chan, it's like Gynax hired Shin Chan and said, make a show. And he's like, cool, no problem. And he just sits down and writes what any uh, pre-teenager would do, just fills it with potty jokes. You know, it's, and, and that's the show, and that's fine. But the thing is, like you were saying there, if they reuse that, that scene we're talking about from uh, the, the first block of episodes into the next one, I would almost laugh if they reuse the same animation because that, that would be Gynax saying, we're so cheap and we're so tacky. We're just going to reuse the same shot uh, piece for piece. We're not going to even change it. And we're just going to make a, it, make the transformation sequence into a parody of itself by just reusing the stock footage over and over again. But I have this horrible feeling that they're not going to do it and it's going to be that one soft scene, in which case it's going to be stuck in my mind forever like a knife in my head. Oh, come on. It was not painful to watch. you got to admit that as a man. Oh, absolutely. I will say that. But the thing is, like I said, it's the it's the right animation. It's just the wrong show. If it was in something else, it's like kind of, I don't know, it's like watching something like, I don't know, like watching Teen Titans, right? On Cartoon Network. And then having a hentai sequence with the Teen Titan characters in the middle of it. Your mind would be like, hmm, hentai. And the other side of it would be, wait, it's, it's Teen Titans does not compute. Danger, Will Robinson, run, run, run. So that's that's my only problem with the, the, the thing. So what else? So what are you watching? What are you reading, Josh? Oh, um, so for reading, I've been going back, and as I mentioned, like numerous times, I'm just I'm trying to finish up those scanlations of uh, Get a Robo and Majinger. The last couple volumes were just scanlated. I got those on my hard drive, just waiting for some attention. But alas, I've been playing with my Anime 3000 DVDs, and oh my goodness, Dragonaut. <sighs> that's uh, that's a doozy. Just just watching that show is is painful. Yeah, I, I read the, the the Colony Drop report on that one, and they did it in such a uh, wonderful way. They did it in that that sarcastic tone of "This is the most amazing show ever," and we're going to tell you why. And just reading it, 
reading the review on Colony Drop was enough for me not to have to watch Dragonaut. Because I remember downloading the fan subs for this thing way back in the day, before it was licensed, and I was sitting there going, do I really want to watch this? And then after about six months, I kind of deleted Dragonaut, even without watching like past the first episode, which was... Anyone who's tried to watch that show will tell you the first episode is just god-awful, because every single trope you hate about uh, about strange events in an anime with a mysterious girl and a, a plucky hero, they Gonzo just roll out the rule book on that one. But I'm told, I like reading Colony Drop, I just, I'm happy with the review on Colony Drop. I don't need to watch the show, because the review on Colony Drop is funnier than probably sitting through the whole show. I have nothing, Josh. Nothing but the greatest of sympathy for you having to watch that stuff. Oh, uh, the worst part is like I have money. I want to spend. I'm like, oh, I got some, some, some like 50, bu- 50 bucks. And I'm gonna buy some anime for myself. You know, what do I want? And it's like crap. Well, I have the new DVDs I could be getting for review. Well, I don't want to pay you know thirty dollars for eating a V so I can get it for free. But I can't get new DVDs until I finish this. So it's like, ah, you gotta get through it. To yeah. prove it. Well, it's like, it is fun to watch that show in a sense of, there are two guys sitting next to each other. They're not sitting next to each other. They're standing opposite. One is holding a gun to the other, and, and the other guy says, Is this what friends do? And the dubbing is is actually kind of well done. It's on the higher end side. Uh, but the thing is, the lines and the script is just so shitty. that Yeah. It, it's, it's like trying to... It's like saying... Knock, knock. Who's there? Me. Me who? I'm leaving now. It's like, that was a horrible joke. But and it's a horrible... It's, it's, it, when somebody tries to, to, to write it professionally, it's, 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 uh, it's horrifying. It is. It's, it's exactly what that is. It's, it's horrifying. And you have all the tropes, lollies, and, and, and jiggling, and homos on both the gay and lesbian sides. like, ah, crying out loud. God, yeah, I mean, I'm just, like I said, I'm so glad I never watched it. So please move on to something happier. <laughs> M- make me feel, make me feel that that you're not, you're not destroying your sanity line, but or with a uh, dragon off. Go on. Oh, I've destroyed my insanity a long time ago. In fact, uh, how long has this podcast been going on for? That's probably about the same time. But oh. uh, <laughs> uh, Tower of Duraga. It's another. I've been watching nothing but guy, uh, Gonzo shows, uh, and Tower of Duraga is actually not that bad of a show. I'm yeah. on, like, episode six, so halfway through the series, and I'm still enjoying it. It's not... The first episode was amazing, and it's basically someone walked... The director walked in and said, okay, I know I'm working for Gonzo, so there's only going to be a really good first episode, maybe a really good second uh, second episode at the end. So all these other episodes in the, in the middle, we know the animation's going to drop, we know this, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be shit. So what's the best way we can make this shit good? And they just go, it's kind of like using what you got the best you can. And even though the show really, it looks horrible sometimes, it, um, it, it even sounds horrible sometimes, the story is even pretty cruddy, they use it to their advantage. You know, it, the way I like to describe it, and not to like diss any Nintendo games, but you know how like the Nintendo 64 was graphically behind the PlayStation 1? Yeah. And it couldn't compete at all. So what did they do? They made characters look funny. So that way they... You know, it, was, it was like part of the game. So instead of a weakness, they said, Oh no, they're supposed to look like this sort of thing. It's a plus. Yeah, it, it turns into a plus. So 
like halfway, like I just finished watching a bunch of episodes last night. One of the episodes, they step on uh, like a magic curse ball or something, and they all turn into eight bit. Now I can imagine that. It, I mean, it's 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 an RPG show. They're trying to climb a tower, you know. So it's like you're all you're waiting for, like, oh, I leveled up. You're waiting for all these RPG references, but they never come. Thank goodness. And and then instead they all turn to eight bit. It's like, yes, I know the show is gonna have horrible animation, and then you just blatantly slap my face and say eight bit bitch, and then there you go. So it, it's great. And then Vandred, it's pretty good. That's actually another Gonzo show, and it's much better than it has any right to be. You're not getting kickbacks from Gonzo by any chance, are you? I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if you did. I mean, at least somebody would be making money off of reviewing anime these days. <laughs> no, unfortunately, Gonzo does not pay me because Gonzo doesn't have any money unless they do black exploitation anime. Yeah, in which case, you know, ching-ching, but... Other than that, I mean, I, I was talking with my co-host about Gonzo Pearl, Gonzo, and we were like, do you know at one point Gonzo shares were like worth, you know, 150,000 yen on the, the Tokyo stock market, and it, he was like, and what are they worth now? And I said, well, the company got delisted, and he was like, whoa! So like negative five yen, maybe? <laughs> it's just, it's like, <laughs> I mean, is it possible to own shares and get paid for owning shares? I mean... Like, say I'm a shareholder in Gonzo. Gonzo every so often are actually paying me money for the, the trouble of owning Gonzo. You know? <laughs> oh, I wish that worked. The government comes in. The Japanese government. Okay, animation's important to us. We know you own the crappiest company around. Here you go. Here's some money. We're so happy that you, you, you've you held us through dark times. I mean, it's like that line from, from, from Harry Potter. Oh, they were dark times. Harry, dark times. Gonzo was going through horrible stuff. <laughs> Uh, and then he who shall not be named passed away or what I don't know and then destroyed all the wizarding world yes yeah, I mean, but like maybe maybe and, and, and I'm not being disrespectful I'm, I'm trying not to be honest to god I'm not but maybe Satoshi Khan dying means his spirit has passed on and maybe all of the terrible animators will get better now as a result because he'll have spread his spirit all over them and they'll get some sort of talent but even I'm not that optimistic, you know, I, I, I heard he died, and like, everyone else was the same, we were like, God no, and the second thing we thought was, tomorrow we have to wake up and realize he's not going to be around anymore to hold them all back, and it's going to be just a wall of mediocrity we're going to be facing now, I mean, we were facing a wall of mediocrity beforehand, but it's a case of, he's no longer here anymore, now we just have mediocrity, you know, ad nauseum. Well, see, the thing is, for me, like, I, I had watched Paprika uh, just a couple days after he had passed away. I was like, crap. I'm not... And, and then it really hit me, like, crap. I'm never going to be able to watch a film from this guy that's this good. Well, or, or, or a film ever again. I'm never going to... It's like, even though he is an amazing director, and even though there are other amazing directors, I'm never going to watch something this good again because it has his stamp on there. So it's like, ah. Although yeah, I do have hopes. Mamoru Hosoda, you know, I think he's really going to step into the shoes of, like, the Satoshi Kon. I think he I think he can do it. Yeah, I, th I, I think if we, if we don't pressure him into being Miyazaki, which is what is happening to him at the moment, he's being needled and pushed and prodded into being Miyazaki. And even Miyazaki doesn't want to be Miyazaki anymore. Miyazaki's been trying... <laughs> I mean, seriously, think about it, though. <laughs> Miyazaki's been trying to not be Miyazaki for 20 years, 
And every time he thinks he's... It's like that line from The Godfrey, Every time I thought I got up, they pull me back in. It's like every time he wants to get away and just retire, like every other Japanese man his age, it's like the, sh- the company will collapse without me if I don't do it. And it's kind of like... You know the way he's been saying for 10 plus years he's going to shut down Ghibli at some point? It's almost like he wants the show to... Or he wants the, the company to wind up on his terms, he does not want it to go out because it ran out of money. He wants it to go out because he shut it down himself. And every time it looks like Ghibli's going to falter and fall, he just runs in, he produces something awesome, and then runs right back out and starts going back to grumbling about the state of anime again. And the thing is, it's like that. I'm terrified of losing Miyazaki because every time he does something good, like, like I know Howl's Moving Castle is a bit of a kind of a misstep for him, but things like Ponyo... And, and I know he's not in charge of the Borrowers uh, film that Ghibli are doing, but every time he steps back in, it's awesome. And I hate the idea that he's going to step out, something will happen to him, and he'll never step back in. And we'll be stuck with the idea of, there's going to be this meeting the day after he dies, where everyone who finances Ghibli is going to sit in a room and go, well, we can do one of two things. We can let the company fail, i.e. go away, or we can continue to make movies at Studio Ghibli. And there'll be that five-second pause while they all consider it. And us, as fans, will we'll ha- either have mediocrity or we'll have the lovely, cherished memory of that was an awesome time when when Miyazaki was around. And like you said, it's, it's the same with Satoshi Kon. Now he's gone, it's terrible. But when we had him and he was there, it was awesome. You were able to walk around and actually tell people that you liked anime. And they were like... What could possibly be good about anime? And you show them something like Perfect Blue, and it'll blow their mind clean open. And they'd be sitting there going, "This has got to be like uh, something else. This is, this is like a, it's like Perfect or uh, not Perfect, um, a Scanner Darkly. They've got live action actors, and they're just rotoscoping them in animation. No, 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 no. This is a real animation. And they're like sitting there going, "Whoa!" But now he's gone, and now it's back to well, I'm an anime fan, and what do you watch? Dragon Ball. And they're like, "Your non-anime friend is like." Eh, I'm done talking with you. I'm going to go back to talking to somebody on WoW, you know? No offense to WoW players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, like, I don't think Miyazaki has the choice to die at this point because what's going to happen is when his body stops working, they're going to do the Futurama thing. They're going to cut off his head and stick it in a jar. Yeah. And then and he'll, he'll just... be f- he'll be forced to work for Ghibli the rest of his life. Which, you know, even he said he just doesn't want to do. Um... So, who have we got left right now at the moment? We've got Mamoru Hosoda, who is desperately trying to be his own man. We had Satoshi Khan, he's gone. Uh, we we have got Miyazaki. Kawajiri. Yeah, Kawajiri, I want him to do more work, but the thing is, they don't trust him. They just don't trust him. Madhouse love him to bits. Madhouse is his home studio, and they love him to bits, and every time he comes to them with this crazy-ass idea, they're like, sure, man, no problem. We'll just, uh, hang on, we'll just get a sponsor, and we'll get somebody who, who makes fish sticks, and, 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 they'll, and they'll do the, the merchandising for us, and, and, and we'll, it'll be awesome. The thing is, every time he releases something, the fans kind of step back and go, oh yeah, for a minute there, I thought it was going to be awesome, but it's Kawajiri. And the thing is, for us fans of Kawajiri, everything he does is awesome. Like, he could do, I don't know, a Pocky animation for, like, the Pocky, you know, company, or what was it, Je- Jelco or uh, Gelco that, that made Pocky. He could make an animation for them, and it would still be awesome to us. But the thing is, things like Highlander, their search for vengeance, don't help his cause. Because 
I, I've been told by people who've watched that, they're like, if you liked Kawajiri, you're not going to like this movie. And if you liked Highlander, you're not going to like this movie. No one likes that movie. That is a bad movie, just plain and simple. <laughs> I just can't. And, and look, he's been trying to make Ninja Scroll 2 for 15 years. He was supposed to start work on this like in 95 or 96. And he, he said in 2002 or 2003... I'm running with Ninja Scroll 2, that's what I'm going to do. And then Highlander got in his way, and now he's back on track. But he's been making Ninja Scroll 2 for 15 years. And I'm terrified because I want Redline to, to succeed. I want Redline to, to, to really blow uh, box office clean open in Japan and, and, you know, hope against hope that it works in America and England as well. That I want people to stand up and notice, and I want... Madhouse to have be so flush with cash. We're talking Gainax levels of flash uh, cash, you know. I want them to be able to turn around to Kawajiri and go, now we can make Ninja Scroll 2, and now, like, no woman will be respected in your movie, and the hero will be a stoic guy who's going to have four lines of dialogue, and you can have as much... Like, we won't even animate the ground. We'll just do rooftops, and you can just have ninjas running on rooftops for... For 90 minutes and they'll just cut people to pieces and they won't go onto the ground they'll just fly all around like matrix saw and he'd be like cool and he'll have like 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 he'll have marijuana and he'll have a drink and he'll be just sitting there writing stuff down and all the animators will be just like just tell us what to do boss okay this is what i want i want i want everyone to be like eight feet tall all the bad guys got to be eight feet tall and i want all of the guys to be wearing those those open short stuff, despite the fact that it's in the middle of the snow, I want them to have open shorts and torn off uh, sleeves, and I want them to just carry around just a blade. Like, no shoes or underwear or pants. They can be book-ass naked. I just want them to carry around them. <laughs> and it'll be, like, mind-blowing. But the thing is, Redline's got to succeed for us, so we have to make sure Redline succeeds. Because if it doesn't, Cowardry will never do that movie for me, and I will never go fulfilled ever again in my whole life I'll just go around at 80, 90 years of age going, well I had a good life but Kawajiri never got to finish Ninja Scroll 2 so that's a bad point in my in, in my 90 years on the planet, the fact that Kawajiri never finished Ninja Scroll 2 is a, is a spot on my heart I'm surprised they didn't like get him to work on the Batman OVA that yeah, came that, out that, that, it was like perfect for him the hero hates his parents because they died the hero hates uh, his girlfriend because he can't tell them about his secret identity. The girls don't care matter because Batman is not about Batman and his girlfriend is about Batman. Perfect for Kawajiri. Like, he could just sit there going, where have you been all of my life? Why haven't you come to my office beforehand? I could do this, no problem for you. But, yeah. I, I was told Gotham Knight is okay, but not great. But better than Halo Legends. Oh, yeah, it's, it's way better than Halo Legends. It's If you're a Batman fan, you... you it depends on what type of Batman fan. If you're the traditional Batman fan, you might not like this so much. But if you're like the Dark Knight, the darker side of Batman, this might be more up your alley. Is it kind of like, are we talking Dark Knight Frank Miller, or are we talking Dark Knight Christopher Nolan? Um, maybe a little bit of both, because it's it's segmented into, you know, the separate six parts, I believe, you know? Um, so there are some parts that are definitely Frank Miller. But then you have, like, it, Death Note meets Batman, where you have Light Yagami dressing up in this horrible Batman suit where he reflects a bullet into a bad guy and feels all bad about it. You know, so it's kind of like, uh... It, 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 there's something for everyone, basically. But the not people so who... Much, but not so much for, for Halo Legends, am, am I right? 
Well, Halo Legends, I don't think... Well, who, who do you think they were marketing Halo Legends to? The big, the, the Halo kids. Yeah, but the thing is, they, they got a bunch of Japanese people to do it. Which is wrong, because Halo has sold well in Japan, but not kind of... We're not talking, like, the, 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 the floodwaters level that Europe and America got Halo. Like, we got Halo in a big way. We, we understood Halo. We, we got it. I'm not saying Japanese fans didn't get Halo, but not enough of them got it. And to ask a bunch of people, like, why would you ask Oshi to, 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 to supervise this project? Why would you do that to me? Like, I was so hyped for Halo Legend, and they said, oh, by the way, um, Oshi is going to be is going to be executive producing this, and I was like, that's it, it's dead, we're done here, I'm gone. Loads of people like Maro Oshi, I mean, he's, he's the guy who introduced me to anime, he got me into Ghost in the Shell, but I hate him now. I just, I've grown up as a human being, and I just hate him now, because he's just a one-trick pony. Like, loads of people complained about um, Kawajiri and and uh, Khan being this one-trick pony, where they were like, their their shows are either weird, or they have people like being cut to pieces by monofilament wire, or, or knives, or stuff like that. But he's a one-trick pony. All he wants to do is, this is what he wants, folks, okay? Don't watch Skycrawlers and go into it thinking it's a Japanese animation about young kids flying planes. Do not watch Ghost in the Shell Innocence thinking it's a, it's a, a, a thesis on the catharsis of the soul after it's been separated from a human analog into a digital copy. Don't think about all of that. It's none of those things. All he wants to do is make a three-hour version of two characters talking about Descartes and Plato quotes all day long. That's all he wants to do. And at at the halfway point, the intermission point of this three-hour opus, he just wants to have his basset hound walk through the scene, look at directly into the camera, wink, and then walk off and go back to Descartes and Plato and Aristotle quotes all day long. That's all he wants to do. That's all the movie that he wants to make. And the thing is, he keeps telling him, look, you have to have a script, and you have to have an idea, and you have to have character. He's like, why do I have to do all that? I just want Plato quotes. Why can't you let me do Plato quotes? Because they don't sell. Okay, fine, but I'm going to make the show and I'm going to have Plato quotes all the time. Isn't that cool? And they're like, yeah. I remember joking about, you know, Blood, the the last vampire, the live-action film, and we were talking about it about a year before it came out, and we are like, imagine if Oshi wrote the script. And we are like, yeah, the script would be 300 pages long. And the, he'd hand the script off to the, the American producer, like, cool, uh, is there any action in here? And he'd turn around and go, action? Oh, hang on. He'd turn around to the typewriter, punch off one page of dialogue and slap it in between the 300 pages and go, there you go. That would have been an interesting movie to watch, if only because it would be a cure for insomnia for me. I'd be like, this is awesome. It's boring and it's making me sleepy, but it's awesome that it's making me sleepy, as opposed to, you know, anything that Oshi does, which just makes me sleepy. Uh, well, I'm still excited because you hear, uh, did you hear the news about the Oshi Cyborg 009 short? I have not heard about this. Please tell well, me about he's this. He's going to make a five-minute short, CG short, of Cyborg 009. is head by Oshi and uh, the music. Oh, I forgot who's doing the music. It's his, his typical collaborator there. Oh, uh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. I'll just I'll take a moment now. But, yeah, I mean... So, five uh, minutes? Come on. Five minutes? And I saw yeah, a screenshot. There's some action in there. I don't know... If that's like the last frame or the first frame, or you know, but five minutes, you can't you can't screw that up. Come on, it's you know, Oshi still has something. I mean, I'm yeah. not a huge Oshi fan either, 
but I agree with you, Halo Legends did not, you know, it, why would you get a philosophical guy to direct a, a FPS? Because the same guys who play that FPS are never going to know who the hell play, you know, they're going to be like, Play-Doh? Yeah, I used that as a kid. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the extent of their knowledge. Yeah, Kenji Kawai is his musical. Kawai, there we go. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say one thing about Oshi. He does pick good uh, composers. He always, like, I've, I've always liked his his scores in his films. It's just, I've got to watch an Oshi film to enjoy an Oshi soundtrack, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sh- like, there are a lot of people who are fans of him, but I'm just not one of them. I mean, I try. I really do. Um, I mean, I even at one point owned uh, Ro- uh, Jinro, and I, I owned the super expensive Bandai Visual one, and I got rid of that thing as fast as I could, because at the end of it, it was like, so there was no point to that movie at all, everyone died, and he, and my own brain replied back and said, yep, Phil, you, you really need to, to, to get rid of this as fast as you can before it bursts into flame, so <laughs> that's what I did, I mean, I just offloaded it, that thing as soon as I could, and I'm a better person for it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure the person who bought Jinro for me is a better person for owning it, but I'm a better person for no longer owning it. Um, yeah, I mean, Cyber 9, five minutes, he's got Kawhi doing the music, he can't possibly screw this up for me, he just can't. It's Cyborg I'm, 009, we haven't had some new Cyborg for a little while now, we need some. Yeah, we do. Um, just, while we're on the subject of 009, um, I was just, where was I, I was online, and the Cyborg 009 movie, for those of you who don't know, it's this big, long, hour-long affair that was uh, done by, I think, Toei Animation, I'm not certain, but... It's this big, lovely widescreen affair, and it was just subbed by somebody. And I will just bring it up now. And where is it? 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 I've completely lost it now. Um, basically, zero zero nine. It's like a, it's like a wrap up or a you know a compilation movie, but it, it tells an original story. It looks gorgeous. I mean, the animation is like nineteen sixty something, but it looks gorgeous. And I would respectfully ask people who like good-looking movies. Don't, you don't have to like old movies. Let's take old movies out of the equation. But if you like good-looking movies, go watch this. It's good, you know, hour and 20 minutes out of your life, you, you'll be happy to have lost. As opposed to watching a Mamoru Oshii movie, which is where, you know, I could have watched this or I could have read a book on Plato. And <laughs> Plato, I could put down. I can say, you know what, I'll get finished chapter 4 of this and I'll go back to it in chapter 5 when I feel like it. Instead of having to watch the movie to find out how it all turns out. Uh, look, I'm Let's please stop talking about Oshi because I'm getting more and more snarky, and, and and I'm not good when I'm snarky. I really am not. Well, you I'm get very... me, you get me that link of the uh, the Cyborg 009 movie because I'd love to put that in the torrents. Yeah, I know. It's actually in. It's on Anime Supi at the moment. As far as I know, I'll just search from here. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, there seems to be a decent amount of stuff to watch at the moment. Um. But it's just kind of you have to dig your way through uh, bad uh, scanlations and stuff like. Ah, here we go. Um, yeah, it's from Blue Fixer Subs, and it's the 1966 Cyborg 009 movie. It's really good, folks. I mean, it's it's Cyborg 009. If you watch the 2003 show, you pretty much know what to expect. And if you've never watched Cyborg 009, why are you still listening to us? Go now, turn off this MP3, and just go and find Cyborg 009. I don't care what you do. Buy the the old, t- now out of print Tokyo Pop manga, 
go and find the, the a, a rerun of the 2003 show, even if it is the English dub. You know, it's a good stuff. Like I, I love all that old animation. I know there's uh, old animation. There's not a lot of fans about it, but I love that stuff, and it's really good crack to just sit back with your mates or somebody who likes anime and just watch it because, like, it isn't gonna hurt you to watch it. I mean, it's not like you're gonna feel upset by the movie or uh, the old series that you're watching. There's nothing in an old movie or an old TV series from anime, at least, that's gonna upset you. It's not like uh, like watching a, a Satoshi Kon film where you're, you're left with questions. There are no questions left open by old animation. Um, it's always wrapped up for you in a neat little box. What is the hang-up? Like, what would be so bad about that? That's that. Yeah, that's why I liked most of the other shows. Um, although I have to, I have to disagree with you. Like, the, most of those long-running shows, like uh, recently, I watched Devilman. <laughs> that that is, uh, yeah, that had an open ending, bro. Just 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 pulling it out there. They have open endings because you know, gotta make sure they sell those toys. Yeah, but the problem is, is that the next time the show takes up, it's like. Before show came out in 66, and the next time's like example show, I'm not saying that this is the correct dates, but Devil Man like will be made in 66, and then, like you said, it's open ended, and then they won't resume the story till 1978 or whenever Going to Guy gets around to actually. Oh wait, didn't I have a show? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for that, folks. <laughs> Hang on, let's get back to the typewriter. Um, and and it'll go again for another 10 years until the mid 80s, and there'll be an OVA made, and there'll be another gap, and there'll be a movie. Just ah, uh, it's just so awesome. Like just. I just love old animation because the thing is, they know full well there's been a 10 year gap, they're going to have to start the story all over again, so if you like the first iteration from the 60s, you like the 70s and you like the 80s, now I know there are a couple of ones where the whatever iteration you were currently in might not be as good, but you know, it's still the same story, so there's that Oh, another another movie I have to plug desperately is the uh, Mazinger Z movie which is only available on sub at the moment um from what I can tell, now, this is very hard because uh, I, I didn't gleam as much information from the wiki article on it as I would like. But you know the 90s OVAs? Yeah, for, like um, the Majinger Versus? No, no, uh, Majin Kaiser. Oh, Majin Oh, yes, sorry. Majin Kaiser. Okay, the, this movie is like a direct play out of that movie, or of that series. So if you watch the, the, the Majin Kaiser OVAs, this movie will be absolutely the, its down pat. And I will, uh, I will give you a link to that as soon as I've got one, Josh, because I can't remember where I got that from. But um, yeah, again, it's uh, it's another good one where it's a standalone movie. You don't need to have watched the OVAs, but if you have, it's a bonus. It's always a bonus. It's always a bonus to watch more Going to Guy. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather watch Going to Guy than Mamoru Oshii. I mean, Going to Guy is the opposite end of the scale where it's like there isn't much brain power going on. Now I know. He's a smart writer. I know full well the guy. I mean, he hasn't lived this long and rechurned as much material as he has in his career without having some smarts. I mean, the guy really has a down path. But God damn it, I would rather watch Gona Guy because I'm like, okay, girls are going to lose their clothes. There'll be a massive robot or a massive demon. There'll be boob missiles or, you know, I don't know tentacle missiles or something like that, you know. Acid you know, boobies. Yeah, like, you you know going into a Gonagai movie, series, manga, whatever, what you're going to get. There is no surprises except, wow, he actually managed to outdo himself for how puerile he is. And, and when I say that, I don't mean it in a bad way. He's awesome when he's puerile because he's like, I can outthink the most puerile 10-year-old because I was that 10-year-old at one point. 
<laughs> yes, go to guy. Respect. Respect. Yeah. Now, listen, I have to go now, folks, because I have a prior engagement. So I will leave you in the completely capable hands of Josh. Well, semi-capable. But thank you for stopping by, Eper. No problem, anytime. And if you guys need to contact me, you can get me at the website. Uh, I gave the details up at the top of the show. And you can also find me on email, Choice, all one word, at gmail.com. And I'm also on Twitter. Um, I had to unlock my Twitter recently because somebody I was following couldn't follow me back because I had locked it, so I've unlocked it again. So you can now find me again at twitter.com forward slash Choice And send me a message or an at reply. I'm usually glued to Twitter these days more than, than being in regular net mode. So if you do send me a, an, an at reply or a request, I will answer as quickly as I can. Well, thank you for stopping by. It's been a pleasure. No worries, mate. No worries. Okay, folks, I'm out of here. Oh, the